You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. I'm welcoming a pious and sagacious uh, Umar to the segment of Wasail al-Alam Sadiqa Truthful News. And uh, yes, uh, what, what would have happened? Imagine a drone attack on the American president. What would have happened, do you think? Hmm? What about the attempted assassination on Putin? What are his rights? He's calling Ukraine a terrorist state. How do you react to a terrorist state? What about Zelensky? He has run away. He's run away to Finland. Deadly, uh, yeah, this is a, a deadly attack. It was supposed to be a deadly attack on who? The President Putin. But there will be deadly retaliations from Russia, and this is imminent. So is Europe on the spot? Well, let's hear what George Galloway and friends have to say about that, and much, much more. Responsibility for this attack on the Kremlin lies in the White House in Washington, D.C. I mentioned the White House because I want to ask you to imagine just for a moment an Iranian drone attack on the White House, on the Lincoln bedroom or wherever Joe Biden sleeps, on the bathroom on which he sits for many hours, I'm told, every evening and through the nighttime hours. Imagine if a Chinese drone or an Iranian drone or a Cuban drone or a Venezuelan drone, never mind two of those, had landed on top of the White House. What would now be the American response? I'm asking you to imagine that because I'm now going to ask you to imagine what Russia is going to do. Now, all the signs are that Putin is a canny fellow, calm, cool, collected, despite all the efforts to paint him as some kind of madman who woke up one morning and decided to attack his neighbor. All the signs are to the contrary of that. As a matter of fact, I know many Russians who think he's far too canny, cool, and collected, far too controlled in the way in which he is conducting this conflict. And many of those are in the military or are ex-military. So I'm asking you to imagine what pressure is now on President Putin to answer this provocation as it turned out, but what could have been the decapitation of the Russian state. It's that serious. The entire leadership of the Russian Federation could have been in that building and presumably frequently are. Now, in former times, the military officers responsible for guarding the Kremlin would have already been up against the wall in the Lubyanka and shot for negligence. And it's not a mistake that is likely to be allowed to happen again. Neither is it a provocation, an assassination attempt that is going to go unanswered. So what will the answer be? Well, I'm no lawyer, but Russia now has the right of self-defense under international law. And that right of self-defense is not just against the immediate belligerent in the special military operation, 
which will now presumably have to be declared to be a war, an actual war rather than an SMO, but that right of self-defense extends to those who assisted Ukraine or its agents to conduct an assassination attempt on the leadership of Russia. What would you do? What would any country do? What would any country do if another country attempted to decapitate its leadership in an act of military aggression? Something which, incidentally, the cool, calm and collected Putin has not done to Vladimir Zelensky. Throughout more than a year of conflict, he's been free to walk around with each and every international visitor from Ursula von der Leyen to Bono of U2. He's been in and out like a fiddler's elbow into the bunker in Kiev. And they walk around the streets. Even Joe Biden did it. And Russia did not attack them. But it will now surely have to show that it has the wherewithal and the will to actually do so. And so it's quite likely, but I can't guarantee it, that the first retaliation will fall on Ukraine and on the Ukrainian leadership. That's why the leader, Zelensky, has run away. Don't think I'm just insulting him. The Finnish government has announced that though Zelensky is in Finland and was supposed to be there for one day, he is now going to stay in Finland for an indeterminate period, maybe forever, maybe as a staging post on the way to Miami or Tel Aviv or whichever beach Zelensky is now thinking of spending the rest of his life on. The fact is, the Ukrainian leadership, whether Zelensky or the broader leadership, are now entirely legally open to deadly retaliation from Russia. And it would seem to me that however cool, calm and collected Vladimir Putin is, he's not going to be able to sit this one out. That widens the war, makes the war escalate in a dramatic way, a more dramatic way than anything that's happened during the last 14 months. And that must put pressure on Europe to get off the pot or to piss. If they are on this pot, they better start pissing. And if they want to get off the pot, they better get off it quickly. And that's why we must hope that somebody sane in the European Union, in the European half of the NATO membership, will call a halt to this. Maybe it will be Germany, which has the most to lose, which already has lost the most. Maybe it will be France, whose leader could do with a bit of distraction on international affairs. If you get my drift, a break from his forces, clubbing, gassing and shooting his own people on a daily basis on the streets of France, all the streets of France, not just Paris, but sleepy hamlets and Riviera resorts are filled with angry protesters being gassed and clubbed and shot by Macron's police. This would probably be a good time, President Macron, 
to launch some kind of dramatic foreign intervention to bring about a halt to this conflict before this escalation gets even more out of control. That's not all we'll be talking about tonight, but I've no doubt it's itself. Let's start with the ever plummeting poll ratings and IQ intelligence quotient of the American leadership. You know, I always made the joke that Richard Nixon was sure nobody would ever shoot him because Spiral Agnew was next in line. Well, nobody's going to shoot Joe Biden because Kamala Harris is next in line. And if you thought Joe Biden's videos were embarrassing, you haven't seen Kamala Harris yet. This woman is on laughing gas or on LSD. You'd certainly need to be on LSD to understand a word that she is saying. Poor little President Marcos of the Philippines was stood next to her the other day where she uttered forth a stream of consciousness, lucigenic, that Marcos was left utterly bemused as to what he could possibly say in reply. And this woman is a faint heartbeat away from the presidency of the United States of America. The Democratic Party is now in a state of crisis, that it has an Alzheimer's patient as its nominee and a lunatic as his running mate. Now that might or might not, depending on the level of cheating involved, allow them to win the election, but how can it possibly allow them to govern in a way that doesn't look like the inmates of Ward 5 of Bellevue or Broadmoor, the hospital for the criminally insane in England, running the show. And therefore, they must, they must, as a matter of simple logic, be hoping that somebody else can ride to the rescue. Is that person Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? I don't know about you. I'm not giving him a blank check or anything. I just read the other day his stuff from the Russia, early Russia Gate period of RFK Jr.'s scribbles back in 2018. He was off the wall talking about Russia Gate, how Russia had cheated America out of Hillary Clinton's presidency and so on. Absolutely atrocious stuff. I prefer his more recent work. His more recent work is pretty impressive. If elected, he's going to end the war in Ukraine. If elected, he's going to pardon Julian Assange and Edward Snowden. If elected, he's going to open the books, I hope, on the murder of his own father and the books on the murder of his own uncle, but all the other books for sure, the books about the criminal conspiracy that existed between the United States deep state and the big tech oligarchs of Facebook and Twitter as was, and no doubt many others, the criminal nexus in defiance of the US Constitution itself, which existed to conspire to deny the people of America 
their First Amendment rights, and much, much more. I think that RFK Jr., if the Democratic Party had any sense, would be an answer to their problem. But if not, then it's becoming obvious that RFK Jr. is going to have to make a third party run the very thing that Bernie Sanders could and should have done when the Democratic Party cheated him. And last and definitely least, my own country of Britain, which I haven't seen for quite some time, is in the grip of coronation mania. People are lighting up public buildings. People are preparing street parties. No, not that many. Not as many as there once would have been. In order to watch Queen Camilla. I'm not making that up. That's what we've got to call her from now on. Queen Camilla and King Charles III crowned with stolen jewels in a ceremony costing £250 million on a manifesto of a slimmed-down monarchy. The country is gripped with whether Harry and Meghan are going to show up and how long they're going to stay. And it all sums up the faded grandeur, not just of the British royals, of Great Britain itself will be talking to England last night because let's face it, this actually could contain the seeds of an explosion that will wipe everything else away, including me and me. It will not matter what tin pot ing is sitting on the throne of Britain if Britain no longer exists. It will not matter if RFK Jr. or Kamala Harris is a heap of radioactive ash. Let's go to Russia, to Mike Jones, an Englishman abroad, a former military man, now a journalist and broadcaster and an analyst of great acuity. He lives in St. Petersburg, which is not Moscow, but I'm sure that he has taken the temperature of the public opinion in Russia over the last 12 hours or so. He is Mike Jones, a very popular guest. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcoming up, I am the Sikhishis Puma to the segment of Wasaila Al-Masadika Truthful News. And yes, what would have happened to imagine a drone attack on the American president? What would have happened to Bismillahirrahmanirrahim? Thanks again for having me, Mr. Galloway. I'll correct the record. I'm actually in Moscow. And that's um, where I was today. I've moved there now from St. Petersburg. Uh, so, Even yeah, better. I was in the thick of it today. Yeah. yeah, I was in the thick of it today, and I was at the Red Square not long ago, where you'll note the um, 9th of March Victory Day parade preparations are already there. They featured in the footage of this drone strike today. I learned of this event around afternoon when it was reported, and the... The attack itself, I won't go into too many details, I'm sure the viewers are aware of many of the sort of basics there, really quite amateurish by the looks of it. Uh, there were some conflicting words used in the news reports that I've reported on where they say how the drone was disabled. Uh, people are believing that this, what was disabled was the guidance system as opposed to the explosives because there was quite clearly an explosion. 
If this was an attempt on President Putin's life, as the Russian media is sort of claiming, well, it was pretty sloppy. It's not a surprise that Kiev has denied any responsibility for this, but uh, it's it's not likely, really, in many people's view, that this could be a false flag attack. That's been another theory that uh, certainly people have commented on, that this is being used as some form of justification by Russia. Uh, I, I don't really give that theory too much credence, given the fact that one of the measures taken by the government in Moscow was to ban all any and all use of drones. So I believe the Russians uh, have enough evidence to believe that this drone uh, took off in Russian territory, very close to the Kremlin, uh, was likely um, piloted by saboteurs or at least set on its course by um, SBU operatives. Uh, I think that's the um, official theory. What's more concerning uh, for me than anything else is now the almost violent rhetoric that's coming out of pretty prominent voices. We have uh, Vyacheslav Volodin, who is one of the state Duma representatives. He is now calling Kiev a terrorist state, pretty much asking for the gloves to come off now. And of course, right up there, as always, Dmitry Medvedev, who even is going so far as to call for the removal of Zelensky. Uh, he's saying how Hitler was not required to sign the surrender of Nazi Germany, so why should uh, why should Zelensky be preserved? There's then um, commentary that this breaches an almost unspoken agreement between Moscow and the West, because remember we're dealing with the West, not just with Ukraine here, about not attacking political leaders. We know this story from the Israeli ambassador when he uh, visited um, Zelensky and assured Zelensky that he was not uh, under threat, despite the air raid sirens that went off theatrically for Joe Biden. Uh, so it's always been a kind of uh, unwritten rule that certainly Zelensky wouldn't be targeted with this attack, which is believed to target Putin. There's now calls for the gloves to come off. And I have seen a notification this evening that Kiev, among nine other regions, have now sounded an air raid alert. Yes, of course, there are air raid alerts uh, very regularly. There's a lot of air raids. Uh, the question is, what are the targets? Because Russia has not attacked the uh, vital state organs of the Kiev government. Still less have they attacked the president. Zelensky, and as you rightly say, the former Prime Minister of Israel, assured Zelensky that Putin had assured him uh, that Zelensky's life was not at risk. Uh, although, of course, things can happen by accident. It ain't no accident when you land two drones on top of the Kremlin. Uh, let me play devil's advocate with you. Uh, there's not much doubt that it was a terrorist act if it was launched inside Russian territory, as you more or less confirm it must have been, uh, by saboteurs, and it landed on the rooftop twice of, uh, of the heart of Russian government, that's a terrorist attack, and the state that sponsored it can quite obviously be described as a terrorist state. Ditto, what else but an assassination attempt? Can it be if you land two explosive drones on the roof of the building in which, at least nominally, Vladimir Putin lives and works? Now, we're told that they would say that anyway, 
uh, that Putin wasn't in the building, uh, that he works and presumably lives somewhere else. But the person who launched the attack could not know that. I mean, you could, if you launched an attack on the Lincoln bedroom and Joe Biden was sleeping in another bedroom, he wouldn't be able to claim it wasn't a terrorist attack. It wasn't an assassination attempt because I wasn't in that bedroom. Uh, it would be quite obviously an assassination attempt. So if you've got a terrorist attempt by a neighboring state to assassinate your leader, what else but taking the gloves off could Russia possibly do? There's, there's the other idea that this is a sort of symbolic attack. Um, but, yeah, I believe the intentions are pretty clear here um, of what... Uh, what was meant to be achieved. This is actually an embarrassment for, for the Russian authorities. Russian television has been fairly tight-lipped. They haven't, from what I'm told, given it too much coverage, which is quite understandable, because there's no... It doesn't matter how you cut it. This is a strike, as you've said, deep in the heart of the Russian Federation, almost trying to cut the head off the government there. So it's, it's still a bit of a failing that this even occurred at all uh, in, in regards to the Russian authorities. And you're right, like I say, this rhetoric now coming out of taking the gloves off of... There was even talk of threats up into nuclear weapons. We've already, already had some talk, you know, of Belarus having the, hosting these nuclear weapons on behalf of the Russian Federation. Uh, we have had similar talk before, uh, and especially we saw it with General Surovikin when he unleashed a wave of missiles against Ukraine and Kiev in particular, cutting the power. Uh, I'm not sure really... I'm well. I'm quite concerned, really, as to what options we have left. Defence Minister Shoigu warned about this. He said we're taking, we're going up the ratchet and the steps, but there aren't many steps left. And he's trying to really uh, ram that message home to the West. We've already had it said before. You're playing with fire. This really is quite a reckless and irresponsible uh, attack by the Kiev regime. And they, whilst they've denied it, I've already seen designs of uh, postage stamps to commemorate this event that they also claim they had nothing to do with, which seems rather yeah. odd to me. They did the same with the Kerch Bridge, of course. Uh, they said that the Russians had blown up the Kerch Bridge themselves, uh, but they made a postage stamp uh, of the explosion anyway. They... Uh, uh, of course, uh, helped to spread the lie that Russia had blown up the Nord Stream. Uh, and now they're uh, implying that something, I'll go further than you, deeply embarrassing for Russia that this happened. That's why I said earlier in former times, trust me, I knew those times very well. Uh, the military people in charge of the security over Moscow would already have been shot dead in the Lubyanka. Uh, because uh, this is a gigantic embarrassment for Russia. Uh, and uh, I've no doubt that's why the TV is playing it down, uh, because it is, it's a national embarrassment. I could go further, but I don't want to rub it in. Uh, it is therefore likely, I mean, any way you dice it, it has to mean further escalation, Mike, doesn't it? It does. Um, we're, we're now having these talks of the beginning of this much vaunted Ukrainian counteroffensive, and I believe perhaps even that's part of it. This may even be a signal uh, to the elements of the SBU 
that you know things are kicking off. Prigozhin today has warned that the active phase of the Ukrainian counteroffensive is due to begin. Zelensky himself in Finland today also hinted about it, um, whereas he was banging his begging bowl for F-16 fighters. Uh, he was talking about this counteroffensive coming on. So uh, I think maybe uh, Russia has launched some preemptive strikes to try and keep this counteroffensive if it, it ever does take place at bay. Whether we now see the mobilized troops that we've not yet heard from for a long time activated, possibly even coming down from Belarus as uh, Kiev has feared and the West has feared for a long time. We don't know. Unfortunately, it's all speculation at this point. But the one thing I will say that kind of reassures me is that Russia has always been patient, calm and calculated and not emotional and not reactionary in a knee jerk fashion. They have often launched retaliatory strikes and the Ministry of Defense has stated as such, but usually they're not knocked out of um, their plan. Shoigu as well has often stated this, that they won't be keeping to any any schedule of anyone else but their own and they will achieve their objectives in their time. Whether uh, they have to do something political to placate the people like Medvedev, like uh, State Duma Representative Volodin, to try and give give them um, some reassurance as well that there is an answer for this. Uh, we shall see in the coming days, I'm sure. Yeah, tr trust in the process, as people used to tell me about Ole Gunnar Scholzkar's disastrous misses, uh, arguably the highlight of Russian public life uh, is in commemoration of the world historic role uh, of the Red Army, the USSR, Russia as the successor state, its role in defeating Hitler fascism, liberating Berlin from the jackboot of Nazism, which killed best part of a hundred million people around the world, including many millions of people in Europe. If not for Russia, uh, that kind of regime might well still be in power uh, in Germany and throughout Europe and by extension throughout the world. So a pretty big deal. It's the victory parade. Will it go ahead? And will President Putin be there? I believe it, it will go ahead. As you say, it's kind of a, a linchpin of, of the society. The, the only thing that has been cut back on is this really wonderful tradition of the March of the Immortal Regiment, which perhaps people in the West aren't as aware of. Uh, where people take pictures of their fallen ancestors who gave their lives for us in the Great Patriotic War, and they commemorate them. Usually this is a physical march through the streets, uh, but in some regions such as Belgrade and Bryansk that have suffered attacks recently, these have now been shifted as they were in the pandemic to online uh, fashion where people can upload pictures of their relatives uh, that they lost in the war. So that's, that is one concession given current events, but I don't believe that uh, the Russians could could get away with stopping Victory Day. Ideally, it'll be also mixed with the uh, capture of uh, Artyomus Bakhmut. But uh, again, I, I wouldn't see Prigozhin um, costing lives just to, for a symbolic win for Victory Day. And I know the West is doing everything they can to deny Russia that inevitable victory there. But yeah, the 9th of May is a huge deal. And uh, people are very much looking forward to it. And I myself hope to be in the Four Seasons Hotel to watch it take place. Now, uh, 
You mentioned uh, Mr. Medvedev. He's been the prime minister. He's been the president. Who knows? He might be the prime minister, president again. He's still a very powerful figure in the National Security Council. Uh, When I knew him before, I would have characterized him as, uh, how shall I put it, in a way that isn't insulting, Uh, a mouse. But he's now a lion. He's now the man... Uh, who makes the strongest statements, ferocious statements, like the one today to which you experienced uh, a road to Damascus conversion, uh, or is he playing the outrider? Uh, Does he have elections in mind? What's your informed uh, speculation about that? Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's kind of un- undergone this transition or transformation whereby he was more of an advocate for dealing with the West before, quite liberal in his views. And then suddenly one of the most bellicose commentators on events, really saber-rattling, and often trolling as well as he did, uh, had a bit of banter with Elon Musk, Comrade Musk as uh, he called him. Uh, I even read uh, an article the other day talking about how much President Putin has done for Russia. And it even claimed that Medvedev was given the thankless task of playing this role as the sort of appeaser of the West to buy time for Russia, to make it look to the West like there was an advocate for them, there was a friend of the West inside Russia. Quite how true that is, I don't know, but possibly with... Uh, he's quite a cunning man. He, people have to understand he's incredibly intelligent. He's a lawyer, like Putin, actually, by uh, education. And he's, uh, he's, very, he's very careful with his words uh, and mindful of them. Uh, and like, like we've seen with Sergei Laz- Lavrov as well, these are razor-sharp minds. So I wouldn't say that... Uh, I, I would be guessing, but I do wonder, actually, if that is the case, where they've used kind of this smoke and mirrors and deception to for this point in time, which was invariably uh, hard going cop, to come. Uh, soft cop uh, routine, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can actually entertain that idea. Now, uh, Oliver Stone, the great uh, Hollywood mm. film director, and now in Moscow, uh, his achievements cannot be gainsaid in terms of the transformation of the Russian economy, Russian prestige, and so on over the last 20 years, and the the modernization of the Russian military. But do the people love him, in your opinion? Uh, Yeah, of course, this is split across demographics. I think the most people that truly appreciate all the changes are, of course, those who were born in the Soviet Union, who suffered the pains of the collapse, and have seen just how far the country has come, well, since being on its knees and being raped by Yeltsin and Clinton and all this, and the people suffered for that. Those people, I believe, do truly value. It's the younger generation, of course, who who aren't um, quite as appreciative of all the wonderful um, systems that they have, the, the roads, the infrastructure, the healthcare system, that even by comparison to the NHS, I'm in awe of. Uh, especially even the private healthcare, and it's commensurably low cost, uh, even to the UK. So there's a lot for Russians to be proud of, and even on the in, in the population where Russia had a terrible, I think it was deficit of like 1.5 million uh, de- population decline has now been reduced down to tens of thousands thanks to these social programs and financial support for the family. So that yeah, it's it's mainly the older 
a generation who value it and the younger ones. Um, uh, they're coming around, I believe, now with recent events in the West showing its true colours. Yeah, well, uh, youth is wasted on the young. I've always uh, thought that. Uh, last question, Mike. Um, going to bed uh, soon. Are people nervous about what might happen during the night? Are people uh, fearful after this attack on the Kremlin? No, I don't believe so. Um, it's, the, uh, this is going to put a lot of pressure on President Putin. He's already had his critics. He's already had people, like, like we've seen with Medvedev, who want to get it done, get it done now. A lot of impatience. They think Russia should have been much harder, faster, stronger from the offset. None of this um, goodwill gesture falling back from Kiev. It should have all been uh, very much over and done with for the sake of the people of Donbass who've gone through enough at the hands of these criminals already. So I, I am going to be paying a lot of attention to Putin in the coming days and maybe even his spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, to see perhaps what is said and how they manoeuvre now politically, because it is going to create a lot of pressure and a lot of um, anger from people, uh, you know, politically, pride-wise, as we approach Victory Day. Hiya, George. Thank you very much for taking my call. I must say, uh, I, I really enjoyed the contribution from Mike Jones. I thought it was excellent. I thought his analysis was 100%. George, I'm phoning up because, uh, I mean, kind of my take on what's happened would be that I believe that the attack on the Kremlin isn't an isolated terrorist attack. I believe, as many people do, that nearly every attack by the uh, Ukrainian armed forces is directed, uh, financed, armed by uh, NATO and the U.S. So I believe that all those parties played a part in the attack upon the Kremlin and the fact that Zelensky was hiding in Finland, knowing what the possible reaction would be to the attack speaks volumes in itself. Uh, I'm not sure their intelligence was that good. I'm not sure that uh, President Putin was in the Kremlin or even in Moscow uh, when the attack took place. And I believe uh, as maybe 56% of your uh, poll have shown that this could be partially symbolic. They might have hoped to have caught Putin. But regardless of that, the very fact that they attacked the seat of democracy in Russia, they attacked the Kremlin, all as a precursor to their uh, supposed uh, summer-spring offensive. I think that that is a morale booster for the uh, uh, Ukrainian armed forces going going forward in Bakhmut and Zaporozhye and along the contact line. And... You know, I read reports that these could be wrong. There were up to 450,000 Ukrainian armed soldiers still at large in Western Ukraine. That's a huge force that uh, may be brought forward for the counter-offensive. So I believe NATO's behind the attack. Zelensky's hiding in Finland because he doesn't want to be the target of any retaliation. But I think that man is... Uh, it's almost like a dead man walking. I don't think the Russians, I don't think the military, I don't think the civilians in Russia, and I don't think Putin will ever forgive him for this transgression of trying to murder the elected, democratically elected leader of the Russian uh, people. Okay, Fra, uh, a powerful call, a powerful perspective. Let's go to Mick in Notting Hill. Uh, to hear uh, his views on the coronation. 
Go ahead, Mick. Well, hi, George. How are you? All good, by the grace of God. What would you like to say? Yeah, well, well I definitely agree with your last caller. Um, 100% about that. But as for, as for the coronation, George, uh, I mean, uh, someone else said earlier about the, the statistics, like, oh, under 25s, they don't like him and blah, blah. No, no, no one likes that fellow. He's, he's just not a like bloke. And I guess, you know, the best thing he could have done to get any respect with him and his brother and the shenanigans they got on with, or his brother especially, you know, he, he should have just given it to the young ones. Everyone says it, Kate and William. They'd look better on a pound night, you know, on a, on a pound note. I mean... Although I, I take the golf I don't care what's on the pound, whether it's the Queen's face or the Queen's arse, as long as my members get enough of them. Uh, I, I'm not really that worried about who's on the bank, no. But uh, I think you're right, Mick, uh, that the uh, the monarchy would have been uh, uh, in far, uh, far more stable uh, situation. But Charles has been obsessed by being the king. That's one of the things that has driven him mad, and I think he is mad. Honestly, yeah. I know it's a big thing to say, but he's mad King Charles for me. Everybody uh, that preferred Camilla over Diana has to be mad. But there's a thousand other uh, pieces of evidence that he's mad. And uh, he has obsessed over uh, being the king, and he's blowing a quarter of a billion pounds uh, on the placing of of a of a crown on the head of a a, a man well into his seventies now, uh, it's uh, another mm. sign of madness. He would have been far better abdicating and giving it to to William. Although whether William will be any better, of course we don't know that yet. That's the big risk with hereditary uh, monarchies, Mick. Yeah, yeah. But at least they look better on a pound now. Kate and William and the two adulterers. What, what, what would we call them apart from that? I mean, there's a lot of swear words we could say, but yeah, the two adulterers, king and queen. Uh, but there's one thing I've been getting lots of pictures of in the last day or two, and it's like pictures of like a coronation plate, George. And I'm sure, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's make you laugh, but it definitely makes you giggle, for sure. It's, it's basically a picture of King Charles, or King Charles, and and... Queen Camilla, but Camilla looks strikingly like Jimmy Savile. We better not go any further down that road. Thanks for a hilarious call and a trip down uh, memory lane. And uh, God rest the soul of uh, my dear friend Bob Pro. Uh, Marwan is in. Manchester wants to talk about the Kremlin attack. Go ahead, Marwan. Hi, good evening, George. George, just wanted to get your thoughts. Um, <clears throat> so, obviously, the uh, the attack at the uh, Kremlin uh, today, um, and you kind of touched on that earlier in your show. Um, so, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Um, is given given that uh, Zelensky, it is generally accepted that he's a he's, he's a puppet of the U.S. who was placed there by the by the U.S. government or <clears throat> the deep state. Um, was this, in your opinion, potentially a attack that was um, 
ordered by Zelensky himself, or has the US or slash deep state come to the point where they have come to the realization that uh, using Ukraine as a front in this proxy war against Russia, it, it, that war has been lost, and we need to kind of make Zelensky disappear, and therefore it is in fact the US who potentially launched this attack on the Kremlin uh, as an excuse to cover up and make Zelensky disappear. Well, that would be a very convoluted uh, uh, conspiracy, which doesn't mean it's not true. Uh, but it does mean that uh, I've got no evidence that would allow me to uh, to comment either way, uh, Marwan. What, what I would say, though, uh, different to your uh, perspective, is that actually Zelensky was elected on a peace ticket. Uh, he was not put there by the United States. He was elected with a landslide vote because he promised to honor the Minsk agreements and make peace with Russia. How's that for a betrayal of your electoral mandate? Secondly, and I used the word, words carefully earlier on, I'll use them again carefully. I believe Ukraine no longer has any agency in this conflict at all. They make no decision in this conflict at all. Whether to have an offensive, when to have an offensive, whether to uh, send uh, terrorist groups into Russia to blow people up in restaurants or to land drones on the Kremlin, none of these are Ukrainian decisions. Uh, they're not necessarily made in the White House, in the Oval Office, but they're made by American uh, uh, agents of one level or another. They're made by the Pentagon, they're made by the CIA, they're made by the State Department, they're made by, who knows, Hunter Biden, uh, they're made by the big guy. Sometimes the big uh, decisions, though whether the big guy even knows what he's deciding is, of course, a moot point. Or they're made by so-called mercenaries who are really special forces uh, that have been sent in in the guise of mercenaries from one or many of the uh, NATO powers. I don't believe that any of the important decisions now being made in this conflict, including the one last night, blow up a blogger uh, in a St. Petersburg restaurant, or to murder the daughter of a prominent uh, Russian philosopher, Mr. Dugan, and his uh, poor daughter who was cruelly murdered in a cold-blooded terrorist attack in Moscow. None of these decisions are made by Ukrainians. There may be Ukrainians in the team, in the party, but the final say is with the United States and with the UK, uh, increasingly. Uh, there's NATO and there's the UK-US. The UK-US is the head of the snake. There's absolutely no doubt. A snake has a forked tongue, and the UK-US are the two forks of that tongue. While I'm at it, I see that NATO has opened an office in Japan. That's the Japan that the United States devastated with not one, but two nuclear weapons. 
There's now a NATO flag flying in Japan. What could possibly go wrong? Let's talk to Tita, uh, who is in China, I think, must talk about democracy. Tita, welcome. Hi, Judge. Yes, what would you like to say? Um, I'm calling, what problem I call was um, uh, what happened in France, you know, about Macron, um, trying yeah. to pass that uh, uh, new law about the retirement age. And, you know, people been calling him dictator because, you know, he, 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 he wanted to pass that law. But uh, I, I want to talk about is democracy really doesn't work in the Western sense. Um, of having, you know, everything being voted, you know, voted for, because I think to uh, uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, basically selfish. So for any law to pass that will take away some of their so-called um, freedom, it's not good, you know, for them. So uh, uh, how should I say it? Um, so they call him a dictator. So, you know, um, but I think for McClellan to pass a law that will pretty much tank his next election, tank his vote, take guts to do it. What do you think? No, I take, uh, I take the absolutely opposite point of view. Uh, what Macron is doing is spitting in the face of the people of France uh, who elected him, not because they liked him, but because they disliked him less than they disliked uh, the candidate Le Pen, uh, who was the last candidate in the ballot alongside him. If my friend, uh, Mr. Mélenchon, had been in the final ballot, as he was 2.5% of the vote away from being, uh, then Mélenchon would be the president now. And what's happening in France would not be happening. The second point that I would make is that actually these protests only have the retirement age issue as their proximate cause. There are many, many other causes uh, that are now coalescing in a critical mass of opposition against President Macron. For example, but of course, the media... Uh, never reports any of these other issues. They want people to think. And I'm surprised that you, all the way in China, have been fooled by this. That this is all about, you know, young people of 19 and 20 are risking death at the hands of the French police over an increase in the retirement age 40 years uh, on for them. Uh, it's ridiculous if you think about it for two minutes. They never tell you that one of the principal demands of these great mass demonstrations is an end to French involvement in the war in Ukraine. 73% of, that's almost three out of four, almost three quarters of the French people, when polled, want an end to France's involvement in the NATO aggression in Ukraine. One of the principal demands is to do as General de Gaulle did, withdraw France from at least the political committee of NATO. Uh, many, many millions want to withdraw from NATO altogether. 
there are many people on the streets of France because they want France out of the European Union. They want Frexit. There are others who want a different social and economic system altogether. Maybe some of them want a system like yours in China, so you should not disrespect them by calling them selfish. What's selfish about wanting a wage increase that at least keeps pace with the inflation which your government has brought on the people itself? The reason supermarket prices in Germany are 17% increase is because of the German government. It's not selfish to fight that. Neither is it selfish in France to fight for a wage increase, to fight to defend your pension against a neoliberal dictatorship of finance capital, globalized capital, EU and NATO capital that rules and ruins your life. The people of France are absolutely right to be on the streets. I'm very surprised at someone from China having the perspective that you uh, displayed there. They say that China's a dictatorship. There's people like Tita with views like that on the phone to the mother of all talk shows. Oh, some dictatorship. I'll be right back. Is on the line on the Kremlin attack. Erobus, as always, welcome to the show. A most salubrious evening and greeting and salutations to you, your family and your loved ones, Mr. Galloway. Thank you, brother. Before I preface um, what I'm going to say, my, my perspective on what, what's happening at the Kremlin, I wanted to um, put a, a, a plug to you. Um, I was thinking, uh, I was listening to one of your Wednesday shows, and you were speaking to a caller, and you know, I had a, a vision in a sense of you having a, a global uh, international consultancy with your experience, with your decades in Parliament, with your, uh, I know you should be in the Guinness World Book of Records for having two independent parties in the establishment parties and survived it and, and thrived and helped the people of your constituency out of the 195 countries in the world. And, you know, I wouldn't doubt if you've been to all of them at least twice. I think you'd be a, a boon, especially in, uh, in these electoral cycles or even out of the electoral cycles. I think you would, um, you, you, you know, you'd have a uh, consultancy and people could uh, ask for the benefit of your um, anti-establishment, left political perspective and experience. And I think it would thrive. I think it's something that's very much needed in the world. And I wanted to plug that to you. Um, okay. As far Thank as my, you. Uh, yes, as far as my perspective on what's going on in Ukraine, and you mentioned the Kerch Bridge, and you mentioned the, the assassinations of two prominent media officials. These were not even... Uh, military people, right? And there were no personal grievances. They just wanted to make examples out of them. My view is this is this is the results of this stepping on eggshells, pussyfooting around special military operation. You know, I'm I'm on Medvedev's side, right? And I, and I side with you, also with some of your perspectives about this. There is a way to preserve as much life as you can 
with the with the compatriots and the relatives and the historical connections with the people of Ukraine and pretty much get rid of Zelensky, the regime, you know, the, the government, the administration, the, the, the Ministry of Morons, get rid of all those people and push those Galicia Nazis right back into the border of Poland and, and maybe go after them there and finish what should have been finished in World War II. Uh, again, this is my perspective. Um, yeah, it, it, it's outrageous. It's outrageous. I think, um, I don't know Putin, never met him, uh, but, but my feeling is he still has this um, Peter the Great, um, you know, residual thing about the, the turning to the West and the dependency on the West. I mean, he's a great strategician. He's a lawyer, as, as someone mentioned, just like Medvedev. You know, but it's like, you know, you, you need a, a firmer hand in dealing with this, right? Because, and the last thing I'd say is, you have experience with this, unfortunately. There were three times, if my memory served me cor correctly, the uh, uh, Neville Chamberlain, right, when he was sent by the Cliveden set, the aristocracy of the British oligarchy, he went to, he went to Hitler three times in the Bundestag, Hitler's uh, summer house, and then the government residence. And every time he went to Hitler, Hitler was taking more and more Europe and, la and, and laughing at him, right? Neville Chamberlain is the guy that's holding the umbrella. That's his iconic forever image, and that's all he was good for. And how did Hitler respond to all this appeasement and all this pussyfooting around? He bombed, he, he, well, I almost cursed because I'm outraged. He bombed the United Kingdom, and many people died and were traumatized, maimed. And I have no doubt that you have trauma from the scars of, of, of living through this period. And that's what appeasement with Nazis give you, because their only ideology is power. That's all they respect, the force of violence and power. That's Nazism. I, I read uh, Mein Kampf. I read a couple more things from them, and that was the common denominator of all this literature. You are, you are either uh, ubermensch or undermensch. That's it. Nobody else, nobody else remains. And, you know, and so uh, they need to take a stronger hand with this. And, you know, I've been trying to do a hashtag, Medvedev is right. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to catch on. But, you know, uh, um, and I know time is always against us, so uh, I want to thank you for allowing me the time. Well, uh, 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 it was definitely the, definitely the call of the night, Robust. Thanks uh, very much for making it, and it will have found an echo. Yes, I believe that that and uh, yeah, very interesting indeed. Uh, you know, earlier on when uh, Mike Jones uh, he spoke, uh, the independent journalist uh, that is uh, presently in Russia, and he spoke uh, that uh, Russians have banned all drones there, and uh, there's a call from uh, the military there on Putin to take off all gloves or put the you know all gloves out and start, and uh, you know it's time to deliver and uh, put this uh, whole issue to rest by military force and uh, Putin has been a bit softer with the uh, Kiev and a neighboring state this is what George Galloway said a neighboring state uh, trying to assassinate the leader of another state and he says it is downright terrorism absolutely and uh, the Russian media is playing a low key on this issue and uh, because uh, this has been deeply embarrassing uh, for the uh, Russians so they're playing a low key on that and also, when you look at it, uh, 
you know, some say it's a gigantic embarrassment uh, for the Russians, uh, what has happened. And uh, Russia has always, uh, or you look at Putin, he's always been cool, calm and collected. And he still has that uh, type of uh, aura around him. And most people appreciate, uh, this is uh, the population of Russia, they do appreciate uh, Putin's role in transforming uh, Russia. And uh, well, when Zelensky, when he won the uh, election in, uh, in, in, in Ukraine, he did it on a peace uh, ticket, promising that he will make peace with Russia. So you can see what he did. He's renegated on his uh, promise. And uh, that, uh, as uh, George says, uh, big, uh, yeah, it's hypocrisy, big time. And the U.S. and the U.K., they make uh, the uh, decision for, for who? Uh, Kiev. And uh, this is why uh, you, the problem is there. And you know what they have done? So many things uh, that uh, would have... Uh, definitely started off a of World War Three long, long ago, uh, if uh, Putin wasn't this cool. 73% of the French people, they want an end of uh, French involvement in uh, Ukraine, and they want to be out of NATO. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. I'd like to thank Lucalo for brilliant engineering. Keep it locked on to Marcus Sahaba for brilliant programming. From the team and I, till we meet you again, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.